Good morning and welcome to Inside Maine. This is Angus King, and we're talking today because it's Memorial Day weekend about veterans and, of course, the tremendous debt that we owe to our veterans and how we're managing that debt, how we're serving our veterans, and how we're not. And my first guest today is Senator Heidi Heitkamp of North Dakota, who has really taken a lot of leadership, uh, a leadership role on this issue. And in fact, um, was it last year, uh, Heidi, that you made your speeches about the Vietnam people? I did. Tell me about that. That was extraordinary. Well, I was invited to an AMVETS uh, meeting where we honored the families with Gold Star Family Awards. And I, I got to thinking about this 50th anniversary commemoration of the Vietnam War and what I could do. And I thought first about a poster. Well, let's get all those who were killed in action because um, we have posters of all the people who were killed in action in Iraq and Afghanistan in our office. And and from there, um, I started reading the research that the AMVETS had done on all these um, soldiers who were killed in action and thought, there's got to be a way to say thank you to the families. And um, I and I came up with the idea of getting to know them a little bit better, working with students at um, Bismarck High School who uh, helped me research, and then telling their stories on the floor of the Senate. Even though their lives were short, they had stories to tell. And uh, many times, just a lot of fun. How many, how many were there? Um, there were 198 um, uh, killed in action from North Dakota. We were able to find stories on almost 80% of them. And then some families, um, you know, which goes to the post-traumatic stress that families still have from this loss, really didn't want um, us to do anything. We honored the wishes. We made sure we had approval from every family But member. you came to the floor and made a speech about the, the lives of these, uh, these and, young people. And what was really great about it, Angus, and you know because where you and I are at, we, we frequently talk to our pages. And these pages are juniors in high school. And had they been juniors in high school at the time that we were in the Vietnam War, the next year they would have been confronting the draft. And I started saying, you know, that this soldier died when he was 19 years old. And these kids who were 17, you know, going to be 18 pretty sure. soon, started thinking, oh, my goodness, that, that's my classmate. And, um, you know, I love telling stories. My favorite story that I told was of a young man who loved baseball. And at the time, they played the World Series during the day, and he knew he couldn't watch it if he were in school. So I went to school, lit up a cigarette, got expelled so that he could watch the World Series. Uh, unfortunately, I heard the other day about somebody that committed a crime so they could get treatment for drug uh, Oh, I know. I mean, you that, and I have been spending a lot of time on this. Pretty, pretty sad stuff. Yeah. Well, we, we have another something else in common. We both represent rural states. Talk to me about the challenges, and we can go back and forth, about the challenges of veteran services in rural states. It's a real problem. Yeah, I don't know how it is for you in Maine, but my veterans love our VA in Fargo. They feel like they are treated, you know, with incredible respect, that that's a place where the people get them. They now, know their problem. They love it. Unfortunately, if you're in Williston, North Dakota, it's seven hours to get to Fargo. Well, we have the same. Um, we have practically the same thing. Yeah. And so um, we we built out a series of CBOX, which um, uh, can sometimes help. But for behavior and mental health, we have a shortage of workforce, but we also have a shortage of access to um, services. So we've been trying to build out more access to services where people live. 
And we've been trying to build out veteran centers so that those veterans can not only, you know, kind of um, get encouraged to seek behavior and mental health treatment, but they can find uh, uh, where they can find jobs, um, where they can access their educational benefits. And and we're very interested in um, building out more of the model of of, um, our vet centers because we think that those are critical places of gathering that that people well, really get a lot of information. When you and I uh, conclude our conversation, I'm going to be talking with a with a young woman who, who works at a vet center up in Maine. They have become very important centers. Uh, but let, let's get back to the medical care. How has the, the, with great fanfare a couple of years ago, we rewrote the Veterans Administration law, created this new program called Choice, Veterans Choice that was supposed to make it easier for veterans to access care in their home communities. It hasn't worked all that well. Well, in Maine. It's, it's been horrible in North Dakota. Horrible, um, in part because I think the contractor that they hired to administer this program has not been helpful. Um, and so um, what we're discovering, and Senator Tester and I have a bill that would um, give flexibility to go back for fee for payment. As long as we're going to invest, we need to um, go, actually accomplish the purpose. You know, when I ran, I talked about a... a um, a veterans health care card so that you could you could a hero which is card. what the cho- choice card was choice was, was supposed, supposed to be but it's not and you know that and I know that and so the need to give people the choice to get those services at home is absolutely critical um, I and you know this about me I'm a survivor of breast cancer um, means that I had to go through some pretty intensive chemotherapy if you had told me get on a bus at six o'clock in the morning go all the way over to Fargo get your treatment, then wait around for everybody else to get their treatment, get back on the bus and get home by midnight, that's torture. Yeah, you, We should never put a veteran through that. We should never put some of our older vets through these transportation So the idea is they ought to be able to access right. this Care kind of treatment nearby. Yeah. And, and you know, the thing about the, uh, the veterans' hospitals is they should be there to treat service-related unique issues. They should be there if, if veterans choose to access those services. But a lot of veterans are saying, look, it's too much of a hassle I'm. I'm not going to use yeah, my a, benefit for a broken leg yeah. or for something that's or for that chemotherapy. Can, yeah, that can be treated uh, close to home. Well, we had a meeting la- two weeks, two or three weeks ago. We had the top VA health guy in the country come to Maine, Doctor Shulkin. Uh-huh. Very impressive guy. Very thoughtful, uh, non-bureaucratic. He was really trying to solve problems. And the the best thing he did was he came to our veterans hospital in a place called Togus, which is right near the capital city mm-hmm. of Augusta. And then he went up to Caribou, which is where Susan Collins is from. But the cool thing was he drove, and he realized how far it was. And we have an experimental program up there in Caribou called ARCH, which is sort of a precursor of choice that's really worked well. The idea isn't bad. It just hasn't been administered very well. Well, and if I can put a plug in, I know you don't have these problems, but um, uh, the same way we do in North Dakota with Plains Indians, but... Um, Native Americans serve at record numbers. That they have they, they have the highest rate of service of any ethnic group in in the country. They go back to, traditionally in North Dakota in very rural communities. They're not well integrated. These veteran healthcare services with Indian Health, um, they get jerked back and forth between the two federal agencies when they're double. You know they should be double counted in terms of providing services. And so one of the unique um, issues that we've been trying to tackle has been MOUs between the VA and Indian Health. Um, that's, a, that's a really high priority for me. 
the other, just the other day, and, and you know, we, you go home. I don't know about you, but I go home, and, and they say, well, what'd you do this week? <laughs> Actually, we did get something done this week. You got something done, an amendment on the, uh, uh, the military construction and VA bill mm-hmm. involving veterans' mental health services. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've got to have people have access. One of the—I've sponsored every year that I've been here the post-traumatic stress um, uh, uh uh, resolution. It's not enough to say we recognize it's here. It, we've got to get treatment. And if we don't make a commitment at some point here to actually getting treatment for behavior and mental health, we'll lose even more veterans than what we're losing. 22 suicides a day. I, you know, it's, it's just uh, wrong. It's absolutely it's just tragic. Wrong. And, and, um, I, and preventable. And, and so it's going to take wraparound services. It's going to take a commitment to hiring a workforce that deals with these issues. And one of the things, if, you've, if you haven't had a chance to, Angus, go out to Walter Reed, state-of-the-art treatment for um, post-traumatic stress. But what they're finding out for our Iraqi and Afghani war vets is that almost all of them also have traumatic brain injuries. From, they're concussed over right. and over again from their service. And so um, that complicates treatment. Um, in ways that they're really trying to examine uh, at Walter Reed. And this is an area where the VA can really shine because it can specialize. Right. And, and, and how is this different than amputations? Although I will tell you, going back again to Native Americans, um, the, the average kid on the, on the reservation has stress equal to an Iraqi and Afghani war vet. Just just from living conditions, yeah. And so um, what I hope, just like we saw it with amputations, like we, like we have seen it with other war-related injuries, the state-of-the-art and the research on post-traumatic stress, on stress-related and trauma-related treatments can really be led by the VA because it is, it is a service-related injury. Um, that is physical. I mean, so so all of the dynamics that we're learning about post-traumatic stress um, will inform the decisions that we make. But right now in North Dakota, we have a crisis in, in healthcare um, uh, uh, workforce. Oh, yeah. We don't have enough psychologists. We don't have enough psychiatrists. True we don't name. have enough social workers. Yeah, and the the, the uh, private healthcare system is is competing with the VA, and it's they're poaching back and forth. It's it's it's, it's it, and I met with some people yesterday from the from our veterans' homes, uh, nursing homes. Huge problems with workforce. Yeah, I, I, you know, and this is tragic, and it, it's very scary for states like ours. We have nursing homes that are on the brink of having to shut down because they can't find certified nurse assistants. At the very time that CNAs. our population is aging yeah. and we need the services yeah. more than ever. Uh, you know, the average payment uh, is like $13 an hour in North Dakota, which I think is probably better than a lot of places. But let me tell you, it's the hardest work you can do in America. Hardest work you can do in America is being a certified nurse assistant in a nursing home, and, and we pay it the lowest of any and, and, occupation. And so, if if you can find a job that's not so not so heavy, you, yeah. you're going to take I, it. I used to tell people, you know, I worked a lot of construction when I was in college and law school. Came home and worked construction, and people say, "Well, why don't you, you know, babysit or or you know, kind of the traditional?" way. I said, "There's too much work. Taking care of kids is a lot of work. Going to work and laying pipe was easier than taking care of kids." And, you know, if you look at pay scales in construction, much higher than pay scales uh, to be a, sure. uh, a nurse assistant. And so it goes back to kind of, um, you know, and you and I can have this discussion what, about What do we value? Colors. Yeah, well, that's right. What do we value? Working with people? We should value it all. Um, but um, we, have a, we have a real crisis in rural America on health care workforce. Now, you said an interesting thing at the beginning, that your veterans in, in Fargo love the VA, oh. and, and, and our veterans— 
uh, I've never met anyone at Togus who didn't feel they were getting great care. Mm-hmm. The question I do get, though, is access. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I think we need to keep pushing on this choice idea. I, I, I absolutely agree because I think veterans are entitled to choice. One of the resistance, veteran service organizations have over the years resisted a movement completely to a non-VA you know, uh, VA. Um, system where you would just get a choice card and yeah, be I, able I met to... with our disabled American veterans just two weeks yeah, ago, they and they, they don't want it. Yeah, and and they're afraid you, it's going to undermine yeah, the, VA. The, the VA system. Yeah, and and so that's an argument that they'll have to make within within those veterans groups. They have to give us more direction. If I can just transition, I'm also on the committee that deals with federal workforce, and obviously we have a veterans preference. Um, but what we're finding is that OPM, the Office of Personnel Management, when they send out um, applicants for various jobs, frequently send a veteran on. The veteran may not be qualified. So even though they've, they've been in the list of forwarded um, for employment, they don't, they, they don't get the job. And so one of the things that I've been working on is trying to make sure that what we have is a, an opportunity to um, uh, uh, have an advocate within OPM to honor the commitment that we have to um, veterans' preference. Veterans' preference has to work better, and we have to look at, like, Connect. I know you've been a great supporter of our efforts on Connect to connect communities to veterans, but everybody knows your mental health is better when you have a job. Well, one of the the things that I hear is it's so complicated. There's so many programs. They're all over the place, Department of Labor, Veterans Affairs, the, the other piece, and, and uh, we'll end on this, uh, is I don't think the military does a very good job of helping people transition out. They do not. I've been, uh, I, I go to these hearings with the, you know, defense people. My, my position is you should spend as much time and money and personnel on transitioning people out as you do re- recruiting. on recruiting. Absolutely. Because they, you know, I, they talk to veterans and they get, you know, they go through a day of, of meetings and hand them a bunch of papers and, you know, you're on your own. Yeah. Uh, lots we can continue to talk about. Heidi, keep up your oh, passion well, and work and on this. It's you, so great. And thank you, Angus, for, um, for even though we're, we're, you know, Maine is quite a ways away from North Dakota, we share so many of the same problems oh, yeah. and we share such a passion for our veterans. So thank you. Thank Senator you. King, for everything you do and being my great friend. <laughs> Thank you. You married above your, uh, your oh, grade, we, though. Everybody in Maine knows that. I just want that. you to know that. Everybody in Maine knows Love that. Love Mary. Senator Heitkamp, thank you very much. And uh, stay with us on Inside Maine. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Inside Maine. We're talking about veterans' issues today, and it's appropriate because it's Memorial Day weekend. And with me now is Amy Marcotte, who's the team leader at the Sanford Maine Vet Center. And uh, Amy, I was just talking to Senator Heidi Heitkamp. She brought up vet centers and how important they are. Give me some background. Give our listeners some background on what what's the function and, 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 and purpose of a, of a vet center. What do you do? Well, first of all, Senator, Senator King, thank you very much for uh, asking me to join you today. Um, I I can't imagine um, a more officious time to talk about uh, vet centers and what we do. Vet centers are part of the VA system. Um, we are a very small part of that system. Uh, our, our distinct mission is to provide readjustment counseling to the men and women who have served in a war zone um, and also their families. And we have another mission where we provide services to uh, the men and women uh, veterans who have experienced some sort of sexual trauma 
while they're in, uh, while they were in service to their country. So we have two really important missions. Um, readjustment counseling is all about bringing uh, veterans back to their communities and helping them uh, lead the lives that they want to live. Um, that can be a, a tough road sometimes for folks, and sometimes uh, people need just a little bit of assistance to kind of get an azimuth, as it were, uh, to figure out, you know, the path that they need to take and what kind of steps they need to take uh, in order to fit back in, get the jobs they want, have the relationships they want, to just be feeling well back in the community. Well, and, well, uh, well Senator, Senator Heikamp and I were talking at the end of our little discussion about the fact that people are sort of transitioned out of the military with, with very little in the way of of time and effort spent to to help them with this transition. My my position is that the, the Defense Department ought to spend as much money on transition out as they do on recruiting. Uh, is it your I mean as I talked to veterans in Maine, they were they were given a couple of classes and a piece of paper and, you know, See you later. Uh, do, do you find that the, that is this so, something that we could do better in in the in the services before people actually walk out the door? Well, you know, I'm a veteran myself, and I can remember going through that transitional uh, process myself, and it is a head spinning process. Um, I, I do think that um, it would be nice to be able to have more of a warm handoff from DOD to the community and to the to the VA. Um, but but to be honest with you, I think that no matter how good the uh, the work is done in the in the transition period, it's still a tough thing to come back to the community. There's a lot of things that veterans just can't possibly anticipate, and that's where the VA and the vet centers in particular can come in. Um, to help with problem solving, to help with kind of processing what somebody's service might have meant to them, maybe some of the some of the things that were traumatic to them, they might need um, some some emotional support around it, some psychological support around it. So, how, do, how do they know? How do they know where you are, or that you even exist? How, do they, how do they find you? So they can go to the va.gov uh, website. And they can um, put in the search. There's a place where you can put down. Um, you can you can uh, look at resources by state, so you can find all of the VA resources in the state of Maine. And very exciting for Mainers, um, the Bureau of Veteran Services has just come online with a new resource website um, that, if you Googled uh, Maine Veteran Services uh, uh, website you would be able to, to pull up a, a uh, website where you could put in, I am a, a combat veteran and I'm homeless, and that will lead you to different resources. And there's a link for mental health resources, and vet centers uh, also will pop up there. Another good old-fashioned way of doing it, uh, not so good old-fashioned, I suppose, is you can Google vet centers, and you can get a list of all of the main Well, in, in Maine, we have, uh, as, I, as I recall, Caribou, Bangor, Portland, Lewiston, and Sanford, right? You got it. And so the important thing there is to know that we are very accessible. So if you call the vet center, like my, if you call my vet center tomorrow morning, uh, you will get a human being answering the phone. And well, we think are of very that. That's, that's a good place to start. It's a good place to start. And we take a pretty informal um, route in terms of helping folks. If you if you come to the vet center 
you know, we're, we're licensed clinicians there, but we really like to take a more um, informal approach with folks where we're not wearing white lab coats and that sort of thing. We really want to sit with somebody, usually over a bad cup of coffee, which is very reminiscent of our service, <laughs> hmm. and just kind of talk about what it is that the veteran is dealing with and really offer some assistance in terms of how to get that veteran through these obstacles, through this episode. We like to involve family members because veterans don't live in a vacuum. You know, they've got veterans that, family members that are part of that whole process as well. And uh, so, yeah, we're very accessible. If somebody called us today and uh, needed some assistance, we could get them in very quickly. Well, I remember meeting with a guy named Steve Reeves, who was the acting regional director at the Vet Center in, in Portland. And my sense was it's it's almost it's it's not family, but it's a relaxing, non-threatening place where people can go and sometimes just be heard. That's exactly right. You know, clearly as licensed mental health folks, you know, we we're very adept at uh, using evidence-based therapies, and we're able to diagnose and assess and those kinds of things. But I think you hit the nail on the head. Most of us are veterans ourselves, you know, and so we're pretty familiar with the kind of transitions that the veterans who are coming to us are experiencing. And so it really is just kind of connecting with brother and sister veterans and um, just really kind of lending the ear and the shoulder um, just for that extra assistance to get folks through that. Do you have some of your uh, people that have come in for services end up hanging around as volunteers or, or uh, sort of passing it on? Oh, my gosh. Well, so absolutely. So veterans will give the shirt off their backs to their brother and sister veterans. So we don't, we don't necessarily have clients, you know, um, volunteering and that sort of thing. Because when somebody comes into the vet center, we really want them to focus really on, on, on them taking care of themselves. And, um, but what we do end up seeing is a lot of our veterans that come in are interested in volunteering in the community, we do have veterans that have been through a vet center at some time or another, gotten some help, and then come back as employees. Um, you know, the veterans that come to our, our centers are just really capable, really great people that are just in some ways just going through a rough patch and need just a little bit of help getting back on the trail. Um, we've got amazing people, a real resilient people coming through the vet center. And and what's your relationship to Togus? If somebody has a, a significant metal, uh, uh, medical issue, you can refer them up? I mean, is it sort of seamless? Yeah, so we have kind of a step-sibling uh, relationship with Togus and the community-based outpatient clinics. The closest one to me would be SACO. Um, Whereas we have our own chains of command, we have our own budgets and that sort of thing. Um, we answer to different uh, folks. However, we work very closely with one another because we need one another. Um, so we have a lot of clients, say, at the Sanford Vet Center, and it's very typical of other vet centers in Maine, where somebody will be coming to, to me for counseling, but they'll be going to the SACO clinic in, um, in SACO for maybe psychiatric, some mental health care, um, some antidepressants or something, or even medical care. And with their permission, um, we'll consult back and forth with those folks to make sure that there's a good continuity of care. And we have very close relationships, get along very well with TOGAS. Now, I, I've 
I've been, uh, I meet with uh, veterans groups. I was with the Disabled American Veterans up in Bangor a couple of weeks ago, and, and uh, this morning, as a matter of fact, or was it this morning or yesterday? Sort of, they sort of, the days sort of blend together down here, but uh, with people from the Maine Veterans Home, they were telling me that they are having a terrible time staffing, uh, finding people. Is that, is that something you're experiencing? Oh, we have a lot of, you know, we have been really blessed with, um, when I, as a matter of fact, I just um, am in the process of hiring a new social worker. I had a lot of interest in that position, very capable uh, clinicians wanting a job at a vet center. And the same is true throughout the state. Um, And the same is, yeah, and the same is true for some of our administrative jobs. It's a really great place to work. And I think um, that just reflects that it's a really great job in general. I don't, I don't know of anybody that works for the vet centers here in Maine that it's just a job. You know, it's really something that we put our hearts into um, because, again, we remember what it was like coming back to the community and anything that we can do to kind of ease that uh, process, um, we're going to do it. You mentioned uh, that you were a veteran yourself, Amy. Where did you serve? I served with the 10th Mountain Division um, practically right after the Civil War. (laughs) (laughs) I served with the 10th Mountain Division uh, from 92 to 94, and I deployed to Somalia and to Haiti with them. Wow. Are you aware that Route 302 west of Portland is the 10th Mountain Division Highway? I am. I used to drive that all the way from Fort Drum to Maine. Uh, 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 Joni Benoit's... uh father, I think, was in the 10th Mountain Division during World War II, and she was the one that pushed us to make that uh, uh, designation. Uh, in, in, a, in a couple of minutes that we have left, what are the challenges? What do you, if, if you could wave a wand, what would you, uh, what would you fix? What, can, what, are the, what, what are the biggest challenges facing our veterans today that we can, we can try to help with? You know, anything that we can do to unsilo resources in the state of Maine, the better. Um, there are unprecedented uh, resources available to veterans and their families. And unfortunately, um, it's very difficult for us all to link arms. And it's also difficult to send kind of a uniform message out to veterans about what resources are are available to them and how to access them. I think that the new Bureau of Veteran Services um, website is gonna really, I think, uh, take care of a lot of that issue. Um, in each, in, in many of the regions in the state of Maine and in York County, I, I co-chair a, a network called the York County Maine Military Network, and um, that is an organi- that's an organization where a lot of the agencies, nonprofits, and veteran service organizations meet every other month at my vet center to talk about veterans' issues, barriers, and to really start linking arms with one another. Um, uh, to make sure that we're meeting the needs of vets and they know where to find us. Well, I, but I, I think I've got a guy working with me up there named Teague Morris who does practically full-time veterans things, in, and uh, I want you to be sure and be in touch with him to sit in on some of those meetings because maybe we can act as a de facto coordinator for some of these things. Yeah, that'd be great. Actually, you do have a, a representative that comes to our meeting every every time, so you're you're doing good getting there and. I'll tell you, it's really important to get the word out to veterans because uh, we can all be doing really great things, but if the veterans don't know about it, it's a problem. <laughs> well, listen, Amy, it's been great to talk to you, and thank you so much for what you're doing. I can just, uh, everybody, I'm sure, can tell you, you have your enthusiasm and passion and love for this is, is contagious, and it 
it's so important, uh, and this is such an important part of Maine, and and uh, these veterans deserve uh, everything we can uh, we can provide. So, thank you uh, for what you're doing. Thanks for joining me uh, today, and uh, keep in touch. Uh, we all have the same goal, and happy Memorial Day weekend. Well, and same to you, and thank you very much. Thanks for being with us today on Inside Maine. This is Angus King. We've talked to Senator Heidi Heitkamp of North Dakota and Amy Marcotte of the Vet Center in Sanford. Veterans, this is a weekend that's about you. We honor your sacrifice. We honor your service. And we're proud to have you amongst us in the great state of Maine. That's it for today. See you later.